Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Oh, hey, outlaws. It's uh, some day or another. I tell you, the summer just gets really weird for me. It gets very nebulous and flows between these uh, defined areas and then mostly these gray areas awash with who is going to not keep their appointment. Uh, (laughs) Students will book in summer and then a lot of times, oh, they forgot they were going on vacation or they can't come this week for a variety of reasons or they just cancel the entire summer. So yes, it's a very precarious way to make a living. Uh, I've been doing it for so long, though. I guess I'm used to it. Does one ever get used to these things? And fortunately, I have more uh, writers I'm working with at the moment on their various manuscripts and submissions and so forth. And a couple of mentees I've been working with for about six months now. And what else do I do? Uh, You know, summer, I do a lot of weeding. I do a lot of taking care of the garden because now I'm obsessed with that particular project and making it beautiful and making it yield. And of course, I'm always working on my own writing. Today I have a prose piece I'm struggling through to realize and uh, editing my book that's going to be coming out next spring, moving to Delilah. So doing that, and it's actually sunny again. It's been raining off and on, more on than off, for quite some time. Uh, Yesterday, my partner and I were building, mostly him, but I did assist, uh, the front stairs again because the the extreme moisture has rotted out the old wood. So that's getting done, you know, when you have a house, which is something I didn't realize before I got this house. There's always something to do. Uh, you can't just say, okay, I cleaned it and that's that. That's all the control I have. No, you have much more control over repairing things. So if you have any sense of pride in that way, you struggle. Yes, again, struggle towards obtaining the finances and time to upkeep your realm So today we have our final elaborations with co-host Catherine Atio, and she is talking to Nicola, who is a neighbor a couple of blocks away, and uh, I was noting that for once it's not my cats that are making noise in the background, but she has five cats. I only have four. In fact, there are only two that live upstairs with me when I'm writing and reading and recording in the morning. So she teaches grades one, two, and three, four in an Arabic-English split program. Uh, She talks about how she originally discovered poetry through a book called Secret Laughter when she was eight. She detested poetry in high school, didn't have the vocabulary or terms to deal with it, didn't like epic poems. Uh, She says beleaguer a couple times. I think she means belabor. You get beleaguered when you have to belabor. Uh, yeah, when you talk off the cuff, there's always these words that you repeat or these words that you say and later on you're like, damn it, that was not the word I wanted. It happens all the time when you're doing things that you're not uh, scripting. 
Uh, so she didn't like the way that her fluffy stuff was lauded and not the serious work. She didn't like English 101. Then later on, she took a poetry class from a local poet who told her that poetry was about word economy. Absolutely. But I do resist the notion that it is not about grammar. Of course, it's about grammar. But also utilizing grammar in creative ways is much more possible than in prose. Uh, she talks about what she does with the kids she teaches, phonics and rhyme, then figurative language. And, you know, she tells the kids to be more precise in their speech, uh, takes popular songs and focuses on lyrics. I always find this interesting because lyrics are not poetry. Uh, lyrics are written to be accompanied and poetry is not uh, usually accompanied by music. So it has to stand on its own. So again, that goes back to the word economy and the focus on the rhythm and the structure and, uh, you know, not getting away with cliches in the same way that lyricists often do. And then she talks about how poetry for her, and often when she goes to spoken word events, it's the moment just before a transition, expectation, lightning. Um, I like that, that sense of suspension and then release and she reads a poem from Rumi, The Guest House. And so, yes, this is what we have today. Uh, sometime in the middle of the week, sometime in July. Please enjoy Elaborations with Nicola. for Elaborations, which is part of Miss Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. And I have with me an elementary teacher, Nicola. Hi, Nicola. Hello, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to do this. Absolutely. And this is really exciting because you teach really, really young children. So mm -hmm. what, what grades do you teach? So um, I'm on the English side of an Arabic bilingual program. So I have uh, grades one and two in the morning and grades three and four in the afternoon. Okay, good. So you've got lots of uh, different students you can work with. So we'll get back to your experiences and approaches as a teacher, but let's dive back into your own experiences with poetry. So when you were a child, did you read poetry or, or verse? I remember, so I think I was eight or nine, and I went to a garage sale with my dad, because we always would go trolling for books, and there was this poetry book. It was Poems for Children, and it was called Secret Laughter. Oh. And every single poem was about something to do with nature and being free as a child and the delights that children can experience in nature, unencumbered with adult thoughts and worries and technology and all of these things. And I adored that poetry book and I read it over and over and over again and it really spoke to me and I adored it. Oh, that's wonderful. And then... As you entered school as a student, at any grade level, uh, junior high, high school, or even elementary, what are, are, do any poetry lessons stand out to you? You know, I don't actually remember any poetry lessons from elementary, although you know, I realized as a teacher, absolutely there were some, but I don't really remember until later junior high and high school, and absolutely detesting <laughs> learning about reading and doing poetry, mm -hmm. mostly because I didn't really realize until about 
grade seven that me coming from my working class downtown apartment background, I did not have any of the vocabulary, vernacular, any awareness of, or even figurative language that many of the students around me did. And But there was an assumption, and I don't blame teachers. I mean, you're teaching as best as you can. You're teaching what you know. But there was an assumption that we would just understand the complexity of the language. And at home, I, I, I couldn't come home and start talking about something in bellicose because my parents <laughs> would then wonder if I'd grown another head or <laughs> what have you. Um, and quite frankly, they were too busy working, so they're not going to listen to that baloney. And then I also found that there was such a focus on these long, epic poems that I felt sort of beleaguered one theme over and over and over again. And to me, that was just, I think that's not the kind of post poetry that I can connect with because I don't need the constant written detail um, because I can connect with it in a very different way. I can visualize, I can feel, I can sense. So I don't need to sit there <laughs> and beleaguer things. And I think, and then also, one of the other things I struggled with is um, I took some writing classes in high school. It was a fine arts school. And one of the things that really frustrated me as well is the poems that I really wrote that I felt I connected with were kind of not being connected with by other students or by the teacher. But when I'd write these little fluffy, I don't know, like back of a napkin just cheesy, fun kind of poems, they were lauded, and I really struggled with that, because I thought, <laughs> this is not really, like, all this is, is I'm, it's basically just like a, almost like a wall saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. it's okay to procrastinate today, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's kind of like what internet poetry is now, like the little two-liners, right? Right. Yeah. Or you take a quote, and that's, that's poetry, and, mm -hmm. yeah, so that was not... For me, but then, oh, I also hated it my first year English. <laughs> English 101 is, is a bit of a, I mean, it's it's different now. They teach it a bit differently now. You get some more options, but it was it was brutal. And it was the exact same poems that they, we went through in high school that I hated. I didn't mind Shakespeare sonnets too, that much, but I also didn't want to then read a six-page ode mm -hmm. to one thing. So... It was, that was, school poetry was not something I enjoyed. Well, let's take that yeah. and now move. So now you have an opportunity to maybe change that for mm -hmm. the students you teach. So let's hear how you, well, how do you approach it? I took a really good poetry writing course from a local poet a few years ago, and I can't remember his name. I hope I can remember his name at some point. <laughs> and he really drove home the idea, and the one that I can connect with better is that poetry is really about um, the economy of words, finding the most efficient way to express something without trying to fulfill certain perfections that come with grammar. And that really resonated with me. And so in the grade one and two, poetry is more about phonics, so learning your letter and phonemes, your, your sound groupings, and then connecting it to phonetics, how you write them. So it's a lot of learning about rhyme and, and vowel sounds. 
and syllables. syllables. That's, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> they they right. love it. Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah. Five syllables, seven syllables, yeah. five syllables. They yeah. love that. But in grade three and four, I'm, that's when I start taking poetry and explaining to them, this is where you're finding an efficiency in a sentence. We don't need, it is on. Just oh. say on, and then you, and then of course we're also teaching a lot of um, figurative language. So focus on the figurative language that would suit the best and that would portray more of a feeling than just information. And so, yes, I teach them the different poem forms, but I don't, in the end, I don't want them to think they have to stick to just a haiku or just acrostic, although acrostic can actually be quite freeing. And one of our big things in grade three and four is don't say really. Never say really. (laughs) <laughs> Find something better. You're not really angry. You are, you are steaming. You know. <laughs> so, so that's really what I've been doing with poetry in grade three and four. But I also find that if you take a popular song that the students know, so most, I would say, ninety percent of my students are English language learners. If you take a popular song that they know and you get the lyrics for it, they're very much written out as a poem. And students can then connect to the language, and it really helps them develop their language skills. Wow. So that's the other way that we kind of look at poetry. Are they and are they writing their own songs? They are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a few groans and grumbles, but <laughs> if you really well, I try my best to really celebrate even the single word in the line. Mm-hmm. Um, look at that. That's econ. That is efficiency. Mm-hmm. Of the English language. Mm-hmm. Keep Word going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Well, that leads us to the deep question, which is, what is poetry to you? Why does it matter? Good poetry, whether I write it or somebody else writes it, it catches, there's, okay, so there's this moment in the air just before something happens. Like to go from mundanity where you're just moving along and then something changes. There's a moment just before and I found that good poetry, whether I write it or read it, it captures that moment, that expectation that you didn't even know that something's about to happen. And that's what poetry really, well, the, the poetry that I enjoy has become for me. And I do actually like to go and listen to spoken word poets. It's that moment. It, it's like this electric lightning without without figure, without, I don't even know how no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it's like the, uh, like a zing kind of yeah. moment. Yeah. And so do you find that you read poetry on your own? Yeah, I have. I do I find that I prefer to watch spoken word poetry, but um, I do occasionally read poetry. It's usually just something that I just come across and for some reason it speaks to me and then I fall into it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And do you have a poem that you're going to read to yeah. us today? So I know that Rumi, of course, is a very very famous spiritual poet and I you know I I teach a um an Arabic Islamic population so uh, Rumi is very common for them but I also you know when I was going through all when I went through the struggles that every single person goes through in their 20 late 20s where they're like oh oh my god I did all the things I was supposed to do and I did all the things I wasn't supposed to do and I have no idea what's going on or who I am even though his poems are idyllic, and there's a sense of maybe 
overly positive <laughs> without realism. There is, there, it does speak to me in some ways. The one that I really liked when I was sort of kind of trying to figure out my purpose and the, you know, what I'm doing with life and everything, and I have not, of course, figured that out at all, is the poem The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door, laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Wow, great. Well, thank you for your insights. That was wonderful. Absolutely. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians. <laughs>